Welcome to the Walk Podcast of the Thompson Institute, a podcast for students and faculty on your walk across campus as a resource for your spiritual journey. I'm Aaron Badenhop. And I'm Jordan Browning. And we are your hosts and fellow Buckeyes. Our next guest on the walk is a professor in the OSU College of Medicine, Dr. Michael Prats. Dr. Prats is a clinical assistant professor at The Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center. He studied neuroscience and philosophy at the University of Pittsburgh and received his medical degree from Ohio State. Dr. Pratt serves as the assistant director of ultrasound and the director of ultrasound research within the division of emergency ultrasound. He founded and co-hosts his own podcast, the Ultrasound Gel Podcast, which discusses research articles in the field of bedside ultrasound. He's been invited to speak at conferences around the world in light of his work and interaction with ultrasound research. But Mike is much more than a physician in academic medicine. Mike's wife, Lindsay, has this to say about him. One thing I love about Mike is his integrity. It makes him very trustworthy and dependable. He always tries to do the right thing in every area of life, even when it is at cost to himself. I also think he's really funny and makes me laugh every day. He brings joy everywhere he goes. Please listen in on Aaron's interview with Dr. Michael Prince. Well, Dr. Pratz, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to uh, have this conversation, to be a part of the Walk podcast. I know it's meaningful to us and to our listeners that you would take the time to talk about your life and talk about where you're coming from, and, and we know it will be helpful to people, so thank you. You're welcome. I'm very happy to be here. Great. Well, I think it would be helpful for our listeners if you talked a little bit about your role at OSU, maybe a little bit of your background academically. Um, and what, what exactly do you do at OSU? Sure. So I am a faculty member in the Department of Emergency Medicine at the Wexner Medical Center here. And some of my roles are related to my academic pursuits. So I'm the assistant director of ultrasound. I'm the director of ultrasound research. And really what my day-to-day breaks down into is clinical and academic jobs. So it's almost like I have two jobs. So for clinical, that's working in the emergency department, and that's really enjoyable for me. It's it's the perfect job for me. I get to see sick patients. I get to take care of people when they're in a time of crisis and uh, get to use my mind and critical thinking a lot. And the way that I always describe it and the way that I think about it um, is that I get to see like all of the coolest stuff in medicine, you know, all of the most interesting, sickest patients, whether it be strokes or heart attacks or gunshot wounds. Um, I think those things are really interesting and um, really makes my job enjoyable. So, of course, realizing that it's not enjoyable for the people going through those things, uh, and of course, I have to be careful of that, but those things get me excited to come to work and help people in those situations. Now, related to the academic job, that also has been really great for me, and I didn't know that till later in my training that I was interested in academics, but you'll see there's this big divide in medicine, whether people are in academics or in community practice, and in academics, usually that means you're at a larger medical center or at least a teaching center, and 
for me, that means being engaged with helping the ultrasound program keep running from an administrative standpoint, as well as doing a lot of education at all different levels. I like to teach medical students. I teach um, residents who are training to be doctors. I teach other faculty in various departments across the medical center. And I even uh, have undergrads that come to shadow me, and that's always a blast. So love teaching. That's a really big part of my career. And then also I do some research projects, which has really helped me uh, exercise my mind and thinking about these clinical questions and trying to solve them. That's awesome. Well, it's, it's cool to hear about your role at the university. Um, I think a lot of people who are not in your world have a hard time understanding exactly what, what it looks like to be both a physician and a a teaching faculty in the College of Medicine. So that's that's cool to hear about. Yeah, it's it's an incredible amount of variety. I I think of my job as like the most amount of variety possible because every day of every week is really different, whether I'm working the day or I'm working the night, whether I'm working as a teacher, whether I'm working as a doctor, um, whether I'm working as a researcher, there's all sorts of things, and that's really good for me because I kind of thrive on variety and get bored easily. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, um, I want to hear a little bit more about your personal life, too, because obviously you're more than a, than a physician, more than teaching faculty at OSU. Uh, I heard a rumor that you were in a band, and I, I want you to talk about that a, a little bit. What what was that like? What's the name of the band? What was... what? What was the genre? You know, who were you trying to be? <laughs> what was your band like? Well, I'll try not to be too embarrassed about it, but this was, <laughs> this was your classic college band that I got involved in. I actually wasn't too much of an instrumentalist until college when my roommate bought me an acoustic guitar for 20 bucks and taught me how to play. Ever since then, I've loved just like playing songs and really trying to learn any instrument I could get my hands on, although I don't really ever get to the mastery level, I just kind of learn a little bit so that I can play songs that I like to hear. But me and my friends were all into music in college, so we decided to start this band, which I guess for the genre, we we termed it fun pop. It's kind (laughs) of like singer-songwriter, but somewhat goofy and uh, positive energy, I think. We had like a guitar, a keyboard, a banjo, a djembe, and it was a it was a neat scene. We we played around in coffee shops in Pittsburgh, and we also recorded an album. Ultimately, and by recorded, I mean kind of we hunkered down in someone's bedroom and <laughs> like all gathered around a single mic and sort of like this podcast. Then, <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was a ton of fun. Uh, I can't say I'm you know, fully stand behind all the lyrics and the uh, instrumentalism, or I can't say that I'm fully behind all of the production. I don't think it was our best work, but it is a lot of fun to listen back. And I forgot to mention the band's name was The Love Notes. So there was this Mm. kind of romantic theme to a lot of the songs. Mm. I played the keyboard in that band. But sometimes guitar. We all kind of switched around a little bit, but mostly I was on the keyboard. 
love notes. So is this available on Spotify? Can we can we find this on Apple Music somewhere? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I know that it was on iTunes. Every once in a while, I get an email forwarded from my friend for the royalties. Mm. It's about like two cents. Mm. And Worth it. Yeah, so that's a good source of income to fall back on. <laughs> and I don't know if it made it to Spotify. We, I actually recorded another album later after college because I, I had written a lot of songs and I wanted, I knew that uh, at this point my wife was pregnant with our first child and I knew that it was going to be different from there on out and I saw this as my opportunity to put some of my songs down and try to record them as nicely as I could. So that time I, my friend and I bought some equipment and we had someone who knew what they were doing mix it and, and master it. And that ended up being a lot higher quality that I still really appreciate. And I'm, I'm grateful that I did that. It was just a little EP that we released as The Balcony. The Balcony. Oh, cool. Yeah, I don't think that's available anywhere except in my... <laughs> Except in my basement. <laughs> I have a collection there. Cool. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. Yeah. We'll let maybe. you know. We'll let you know, listeners, if the balcony ever makes it makes it public <laughs> uh, out of Dr. Pratt's basement. Um, so you also have your own podcast. You know, I think this is the first professor we've interviewed that has his own podcast. So could you tell us about that a little bit as well? Sure. I got into podcasting during my residency training because I think there was a big boom in the movement and using social media and uh, podcasting for medical education. And I really loved this. It was great to have another source of learning emergency medicine and learning ultrasound through this form that could just come to your phone and you could play it while you're going to work or, um, you know, while you're exercising. So I really thrived on that and I enjoyed it a lot. And so later on during my fellowship training, I thought, you know, there's not really an ultrasound podcast that you can just listen to because most ultrasounds very visual. Even if your only context for ultrasound is ultrasound of babies, I think that you understand that it's very visual and to try to teach that through audio only is difficult. So at the time there was no audio only ultrasound podcast and that was primarily what I was looking for because I like to bike to work and it's a little bit dangerous to, whether you drive or bike, it's dangerous to look at a video while you're commuting. So I thought, hey, maybe I could find a way to do it audio only. So me and some of my other co-fellows and some of my uh, mentors at the time came up with this idea to do a review of the latest research in ultrasound in medicine. And that way we could just discuss these papers and it wouldn't have to rely on visual media. So we called it the Ultrasound Gel Podcast. And the gel is an acronym, Gathering Evidence from the Literature. And also, obviously, it's a, a pun because ultrasound gel is what you need to do ultrasound. Sure. It's probably patient's least favorite part of it. <laughs> but that's been really rewarding for me because, as I mentioned, this is like a booming part of medicine and there's tons of momentum behind this right now so that it's becoming like a very common and important part of education. It's We're not trying to replace the traditional textbook and experiential education, 
but I think that it does play an important role, especially to the new generation of learners who are much more accustomed to learning on their own time and in their own way and at their own speed. Yeah, that's and, cool. And it's it's really been an incredible experience for me just learning how to make a podcast and how to interact with this world on social media. It's really allowed me to engage with people in other countries that are interested. I get emails or um, messages from people who have listened and want to use the podcast in a presentation or they invite me to speak at certain places and that's really rewarding because that's the whole idea in podcasting and education through social media is that you take the whole world and you kind of shrink it down and make it so that you can reach and interact with a large audience. So that's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I want to transition a little bit and talk a little bit about your spiritual journey. And um, I wonder, I wanted to ask you this question um, because I, I wonder if there are students who could relate to it, but I wonder if there has been a time in your life where faith became more important or more real to you. Um, if, if there was a, something that happened, if there was a season of your life, uh, was there, was there, has there been a part of your spiritual journey where you would say, yeah, that's where faith became more significant to me. It mattered more. Yeah, I actually don't need to think long to come up with a very specific time in my life. As as a background, I did grow up in a Christian home, and it was really I felt very fortunate that my parents uh, loved the Lord, and they were their very loving environment for me. And so I I grew up going to church, and I had a at least you know from from all outward appearances, it seemed like I had a good faith and and. At least I knew the Bible and went to church and did all the right things probably for a, a high schooler. But in college, I think it, I guess I didn't really realize it till after the fact, but maybe that was more superficial than I knew at the time. So in college, I'd had this girlfriend for, I think maybe like five years from high, from high school to college. And we had been together a really long time. And this was like a really serious relationship. We were very close with each other's families. We even had talked about the future, about getting married, and lots of uh, lots of things like that, where we were we were kind of like all tied up together. And so, as you might anticipate, uh, when things went south in that relationship, and ultimately, I mean, I, I could say that we decided to break up, but really I got dumped, but, uh, mm, sorry, man. Yeah. It was for the best. <laughs> yeah. It was for the best. Yeah. But when that happened, it really rocked me. It really like shook me to my core. And that was so alarming to me. Like I, I didn't anticipate that. I had no idea that it would hurt so much. And what that over time processing it and and praying about it I, I felt in that time like I was really brought to my knees and and I realized that it was because I had put so much of my identity and so much of my um, time into this this girl that it was almost like she had become my center like she had become my god in a way 
I, I guess it's a good example of idolatry kind of because I was really, um, everything I did was focused on that. So when you rip that out, you know, whenever you remove, I feel like a good way to identify your idols is like, if you lose it, how much does that like shake your core? And mm-hmm. so this really, I felt empty and, and sad and lonely. And at that time, I really felt a wonderful presence of Jesus. And I felt him as like my comforter and my safety and, and my security in that moment where it seemed like my whole world had crashed down and I'd lost everything. I ended up being okay because Jesus was there for me. And I, I just, that was one of the most tangible times I could feel his presence and just feel him telling me that I was going to be okay. So that was like a start of a whole new relationship with Jesus. And so it became, instead of just being something that I did with my life, it became more personal and relational because I felt like I had been rescued. Well, it was fun to learn a little bit about Dr. Pratt's role at OSU and about his personal life and his faith background. So please keep an eye out for episode two of an interview with Dr. Pratt as we talk about whether or not his faith is at odds with his work in the scientific field of medicine. Thanks so much for listening to The Walk of the Thompson Institute. The personal views presented by the scholars and professors on our podcast do not represent the views of their employer. For upcoming events and for more information, visit thethompsoninstitute.org, a program of CREW at Ohio State.